0: Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am finally doing the book review that I have been telling you guys about before I get started. there's just a couple of things that I want to mention. um Just in case you didn't listen to the last episode that was put out, the last episode came out on Tuesday. um So I gave you guys a couple different updates there, but just in case you didn't listen to that one. Um, I'll mention them here. The first one being that I'm going to be working full-time next week, Monday to Friday, and they're like 11-hour shifts, so I am doing my best to record stuff before then, Um, so I'm going to be posting this episode up for tomorrow, and then I mentioned in the previous episode that I'm going to be splitting up the book review into two different parts Just because I read like more than 20 books this year. And I feel like it's just going to be way too long to put into one episode. So I'm going to talk about the first few books in this part. And then the second part is going to come out um, probably next Monday. So today is December 11th and I start working tomorrow um, for the full week. So next weekend I'm going to record the second part and it's going to go up next Monday, hopefully. I do have a couple of other episodes planned. Um, I'm not sure if the rest of the episodes will be out before Christmas just because I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to be doing the week after that I work. I was supposed to meet up with some friends today to go to the mall but that got cancelled and so we're still deciding on a later date and of course the holiday season is basically upon us and so I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my family and friends so I just don't know when I'm going to get a chance to sit down and record episodes for you guys so if things get posted on like weird days or at weird times just bear with me i'm gonna do my best to get the book reviews up before christmas and then i have like some end of year like reflection stuff that i want to do similar to what i did last year but that's probably going to be after christmas when it's closer to the new year um the other thing that i wanted to mention is that In January, I'm going to be heading to New York City for a couple days. I will be interviewing with one of the vet schools that I apply to, and the interview takes place in New York. So I'm going to be flying out to New York um, the first week of January, and then I'll be back in a couple days. So I'm not sure if there will be an episode that goes up that week, because my interview is on a Monday, and I usually post new episodes on a Monday. Um, But you'll get further details on that when it gets closer to the date. So that's all I really have to say for now. Um, But for today, we're going to be doing the first part of the book review for this year. Um, So basically what I'm going to be doing is like, I'll talk about the first couple books that I read this year. And I'll give you guys like a synopsis of what each book is about. I'll let you know like the author and everything. And then I have like rated all of these books out of five stars. And I'll kind of go over what I liked and what I didn't like. Um... I have been trying to read more um I guess I've just been trying to try out different genres of books you guys have heard me talk about the fact that I've been trying to listen to different genres of music for the last couple of years I would say that within this past year I've also tried to expand my interest in the types of books that I read for multiple reasons and I talked about books in a different episode a while back so it might be a good idea to listen to that episode first um but i use the libby app for most of my books now i very rarely ever buy books anymore just because i find that they just i just don't have a lot of room in my space i don't really have like a big bookshelf and i find that i tend to like listen to audiobooks and i tend to use like the epub reader that's those are like the two formats that are available through the libby app and I find that I read faster using those rather than a physical hard copy book. And that isn't to say that I don't like physical books. It's just I would rather not pay for them and never touch them again. And I also just don't have the space. So all of the books that I read this year, or almost all of the books that I read this year, I are from the Libby app. I've talked about Libby before, and you basically just need to link up your local library card um with the app and then you're able to borrow like books from your local library in the form of an epub reader or like a audiobook whichever you prefer so i recommend if you are looking to read some more or just are having trouble finding places where that you can get like audiobooks and stuff i would use libby because it's it's literally just the same way that you would go to the library to get a physical book except it's virtual. So definitely check out Libby if you're interested. So, I guess we're going to get straight into it. The first book that I read is called The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley, and so this is a book what that is like the only physical copy of a book that I read. I got this book um near the end of 2021 while I was on campus at Guelph. Um they do like this thing at the end of the year like a fundraiser where they set you up like on a blind date with the book essentially so um, I think the donations last year went to the Canadian Cancer Society so they essentially ask for like a one to five dollar donation and you are given or you get to pick a book based on like a description so you don't actually get to see what the book looks like you don't see like the title or anything all the books are like wrapped in newspaper so that you can't see anything and they put like a post-it note on it and they give you like a synopsis or like a description of what the book could be about but it's very short it's not like an elaborate synopsis like you would read on the back of a book so you really don't know what like you're getting in yourself into and so i think it's kind of a unique idea and it's just like they use a lot of like recycled books like they any old books that people find from their old houses, they'll take donations and they will essentially wrap them up, put descriptions on them on post-it notes, and then whatever sounds interesting to you, you essentially take that book home with you and then you unwrap it. It's kind of like Christmas. You un- you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um so this is where I got the hunting party from. Um so this was a murder mystery and I'll give you guys a description of what the book was about. So essentially a group of friends who went to university together at oxford are having this like reunion type thing over the holiday season and all the characters in the book are now in their 30s and they're going on vacation to this like isolated estate in the scottish highlands while they're there on vacation someone else one of the other guests staying at this estate is murdered and there's also a really big snowstorm that's happening at the same time of the murder and the police when they contact them say that they can't get there for another couple of days to investigate because of the snowstorm this book is in multiple different perspectives so you get the perspective of a few of the friends in the group and you kind of learn that some of these relationships are quite toxic and some of these friends didn't really treat each other that well during university and still don't treat each other all that well now. None of the characters are really all that likable, but I think that was the point. I think Lucy Foley, she kind of intended it for it to be so that each character is very flawed. Um, and you can definitely see that as you read through the different perspectives. Having different perspectives, you also get to see like the real feelings that each of these friends have towards each other and in this book in particular it kind of flips between present day when they're on vacation and to like when they were still in university so like a lot of the characters you'll like see them like bring up memories of when they went to school together and you can see that some of them are like still holding grudges over things that happened back then so it was kind of interesting to see that you also get to the perspective of two of the people that work at this estate that are trying to like keep all the guests calm and are trying to figure out the murder themselves but you can also tell like they're all like obviously very scared because they work there and who knows if the murderer will strike again so they're fearing for their safety while also trying to like do their job of running this place. What I liked about this book is that it shows you how each character is flawed and it reveals how friendships kind of change as you get older. It also like I said, reveal some of the toxicity behind some of the relationships that many of these characters kind of just put up with when they were at university. And now that they're a bit older, they start to realize that the friends that they have aren't really good ones. And like there are moments in the book where like you'll be reading through one of the characters' perspectives and they'll be like, oh, that thing that this person did to me when I was in university, yeah, that wasn't okay. And like they didn't realize it back then when it happened, but they realize it now. I gave this book four out of five stars. At points, I felt like the plot was a bit slow. And like I said, most of the characters are very difficult to like and sympathize with. But there's one character in particular in this book that just really pissed me off. And she's kind of like, I don't know, I think she's kind of like the Regina George of like the friend group. She's kind of just like this very arrogant, selfish person who's like always putting the other characters down, and you can tell that like she kind of is like the queen bee of the group, and everybody else kind of just follows her. And like I said, she puts all of the other people in the friend group down. So she gave me very much Regina George vibes. As much as I liked having like more than two perspectives of each character for each chapter, I thought that at points it was a bit much, um, just because especially because it flipped not only between characters, but it flipped between um, settings and times. Like you had it flipping between one character to another, but you also had it flipping from like present day to like when they were back in university. And so sometimes it was a bit hard to follow along and like halfway through the chapter, I'd be like, wait, are we in present day or are we in um, the past when they were in university? So there were moments like that where I just felt like having like four to five different characters um, kind of have their own perspective was just a bit too much for me but other than that this book was pretty good. Um, the ending I thought was pretty well thought out um, and it made sense. The other thing about having perspectives of like the different characters as well and I'll get into this in a few minutes or now because this isn't the only Lucy Foley book that I read but having different perspectives for a murder mystery is actually really smart and I'll get into that um, when I talk to you about the other Lucy Foley book that I read. But for now, The Hunting Party, good book. I would recommend this if you're looking for, like, something to read over the holidays, um, especially because it's, like, set in, like, the Christmas holidays kind of time frame. And if it's definitely for a bit of an older audience. Like, I definitely wouldn't recommend this to someone too young. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of really good topics that are mentioned in this like friendships and like growing out of friendships and stuff like that so if you're looking for a good christmas read this is it if you like mystery um i would definitely check out the hunting party by lucy foley the second book that i read well actually it was an audiobook i probably should state as i go through each book whether i like read it or if it was an audiobook that i listened to so the book that i listened to this was my very first audiobook that i've ever listened to is called six crimson cranes by elizabeth Lim, and this is probably my favorite book from this year it is very fairy tale-esque but it's not like your cliche kind of fairy tale-esque um it's definitely very like action-packed there's a lot going on and there's a lot of different plot twists as well so it's not like a disney type of fairy tale i would say um but it has like those elements of fairy tales in them like having magic and like kingdoms and stuff like that um so I'll read you guys the description. Um, some of the descriptions for the books I came up with myself, but some of them I just copy and pasted off of like the Goodreads kind of area for the book, so some of them are not my own words. So this one is from Goodreads directly, and so it says, Shiori, the only princess of Kiata, has a secret. Forbidden magic runs through her veins. Normally, she conceals it well, but on the morning of her betrothal ceremony, shiori loses control at first her mistake seems like a stroke of luck forestalling the wedding she never wanted but it also catches the attention of Rekama, her stepmother Rekama has dark magic of her own and she banishes the young princess turning her brothers into cranes and warning shiori that she must speak of it to no one for with every word that escapes her lips one of her brothers will die Penniless, voiceless and alone, Shiori searches for her brothers and on her journey uncovers a conspiracy to overtake the throne, a conspiracy more twisted and deceitful, more cunning and complex than even Rekama’s betrayal. Only Shiori can set the freedom or set the kingdom to rights, but to do so, she must place her trust in the very boy she fought so hard not to marry, and she must embrace the magic she’s been taught all her life to contain, no matter what it costs her. So that's kind of like the little synopsis of what this book is about. Um, And like I said, there is a lot of action in this. There's a lot of plot twists in this book. Um, And there's like multiple different settings as well, which is part of the reason why I liked the book so much because when she gets banished, essentially, nobody knows who she is. Like nobody knows that she's the princess. And so everyone kind of just thinks she's like this aloof person because she's not allowed to talk. if she talks, then one of her brothers dies. so nobody knows that she's a princess and she gets treated really poorly in certain parts of the books by like just other people in the kingdom. i love this book because you get to see really great character development of shiori. you can really see her mature through the time frame of the book. there's also never really a dull moment and I felt like the plot was never like boring or I didn't feel like it dragged. I felt pretty engaged the entire time that I was listening to the audiobook. And when it comes to audiobooks, I think narration is very important. Like the person who ends up reading it out loud to you, I think the way that they narrate it can also affect um, the way that you enjoy this book. So I could really visualize everything too. Like when I read, I tend to like have it being pictured up in my head And sometimes um there are certain books that it's hard to do that but with this book it was really easy to just visualize everything happening and it just felt like a movie was playing inside of my brain like i said the plot was very interesting and there's a lot of like weird turns and twists in the book um there's definitely some surprises and you definitely also learn a little bit about like the culture of where um shiori is from And so i thought that was pretty interesting the characters in this book are also pretty likable for the most part um so yeah i i really liked this book and like i said i think this might be my favorite book that i read this year and so i gave it five out of five stars um and i'm excited to be reading the next book which just came out a couple months ago it's on my holds list Um, So I don't know if I'll get to finish it or to read it this year or it might be something that happens next year But either way, I definitely recommend this book. It was really good. Probably my favorite book this year The third book is another Lucy Foley book and it's called The Paris Apartment So this is another murder mystery and I'm gonna be honest with you right from the get-go I didn't like this book as much as I liked The Hunting Party, mostly because I felt like it was a lot slower than um the hunting party was um there are points in this book where i felt like nothing was really happening um so i'm gonna read out the synopsis to you guys that i thought on goodreads so it says jess needs a fresh start she's broke and alone and she's just left her job under less than ideal circumstances her half-brother ben didn't sound thrilled when she asked if she could crash with him for a bit but he didn't say no and surely everything will look better from paris Only, when she shows up to find a very nice apartment, could Ben have really afforded this? He's actually not there. The longer Ben stays missing, the more Jess starts to dig into her brother's situation, and the more questions she has. Ben's neighbors are an elect bunch, and not particularly friendly. Jess may have come to Paris to escape her past, but it's starting to look like Ben's future that's in question. The socialite, the nice guy, the alcoholic, the girl on verge and the concierge everyone's a neighbor and everyone's a suspect and everyone knows something that they're not telling so when I said to you guys when I was talking to you about the hunting party a few minutes ago about having multiple perspectives in a murder mystery being a really smart idea this is what I mean when you're reading a murder mystery I think it's really interesting to have the perspective of each suspect because then in your head you get to try and create like a suspect profile of your own um so that's the one thing about lucy foley that when she's writing murder mysteries i think that she tends to go with multiple perspectives of each of the characters that are a suspect so that it helps the reader kind of start thinking about okay who's guilty and who's not and you start creating like this profile of all of like the attributes or things that each character has done that make them a suspect so i think that's a really good way to engage the reader and i think it's a smart idea to do for mystery books um and like like i said like creating a profile in your head as you read each person's perspective you kind of see like in your own head you start to make a list of each person's motive i guess um in both books i think everyone who had a perspective was a suspect, and so you got to read from their own perspective, and it makes you start to like create kind of a profile in your head. And you start to think, okay, well, this person has done this, this person acts like this, and so you, as a reader, feel like you're like doing the investigation yourself, you know, like you're trying to crack the actual case. Like I said, though, the book was kind of slow at parts and not as engaging as the hunting party was. The main character's name is Jess, and to me, jess is just someone who's not very smart and in a very annoying way she mentions it a few times in the book herself where like jess will be like talking to herself and she'll be like oh yeah i'm not like that smart or whatever but it's like there's just some things that she does in the book where it's like why would you do that like how stupid are you and like let me like be clear that she's not like some little kid she's like a grown adult like in her 20s um there's just things that she does where you just have to like shake your head or like you smack your face and you're like why would you do that like why she's one of those characters where she's like she probably realizes that something is dumb to do but she does it anyway and i hate characters like that there's one point in the book where she is at the apartment like at her brother's apartment And she notices that like one of the neighbors is having this party and the people at this party are clearly like 18 19 years old and it's Halloween and so she decides to go to this party and hopes to kind of talk to the people there to see if anybody knew her brother and knew like where he might be and stuff like that so she goes to this party and she gets this drink offered to her by some random guy and she decides to drink it and take it and to me that was just like the dumbest thing that she could have done in the entire book because there's a lot of really dumb things that she does in the book and like let me be clear that she doesn't know anybody in this apartment like she is just meeting everyone for this first time and at this party specifically she doesn't know anyone there she isn't even there to like party or drink she's there to get information about her brother's whereabouts and When she gets offered a drink she's literally offered a drink by a stranger and she decides to drink it which ends up being a bad decision which you will find out if you end up reading this book so this when this happened i literally just wanted to like like just slap her across the face because it was just an incredibly stupid move to make and especially because she's in the apartment where she thinks that something bad has happened to her brother and she thinks that the people in the apartment like the neighbors and stuff might have something to do with what happened she decides to take a drink from someone at this apartment that's holding a party at this apartment where her brother may have potentially been murdered or kidnapped and it's like why would you do that like how dumb are you so it's stuff like that that just made me like really want to like throw the book across the room because there was just things about the main character that just she just felt really stupid that she did these things so yeah that was one of my problems with the book you can tell everyone in the book also kind of has their own issues Like you can definitely tell um everyone kind of has their own secrets and somehow all of these secrets are related to jess and her brother's disappearance um there's definitely like issues of like misogyny and like parental abuse and like stuff like that mental health i think is definitely hinted at this as well in some of the characters um like i said one of the guys is literally like an alcoholic so there's each character each suspect essentially has their own issues and somehow those issues um relate to ben not being present so um i gave this book three out of five stars it definitely wasn't a bad book but it wasn't my favorite book i think i would have liked it a lot better um had there been more not action but just like less like i don't know how to say it there was just points in the book where it just felt like we were going in circles like you couldn't really see any progress being made by jess in terms of getting more information like there's just points in the book where she's just like walking and like you don't really know what she's doing and it just there was very like boring parts of the book where there was just nothing happening so and like i said jess herself wasn't a very likable character um none of these characters were all that likable but I, again i think that was intentional with lucy foley's just she makes the characters flawed and unlikable so i gave this book three out of five stars i would still recommend that you read it um, if you're into murder mysteries, so definitely read it if you're into that stuff, but it's not the best murder mystery that I would have read, and I definitely think that The Hunting Party is slightly better, but anyway, it's still a good book. The fourth book that I read um, is called The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi, and so this book is set in Jaipur, India, and i've been wanting to read a book that was set in india or at least followed like an indian character um you guys might not know this but i am indian myself and i feel like i don't read enough books that are set in india or set in like other parts of the world and i just wanted to learn more about like indian culture through books and read books by um, non, like, American authors, because I tend to read books by, like, authors from the U.S. or Canada or from the U.K., and I believe Alka Joshi is from India, so I just wanted to see, like, what her kind of writing style would be like, and how she kind of describes India through her books versus what, like, I've read books that are set in India that are written by, like, Indian Americans, and I just wanted to see like what the difference would be like cuz I'm pretty sure Alka Joshi lived in India for a lot of her time. So that's kind of the reason why I wanted to read it and also it's set in um Jaipur, which I've actually never been to Jaipur before and it's actually not the part of India where my family's from. So it was interesting to see like how the culture in India in a different state and in a different time period would vary from like the India that I know so that's part of the reason why I read it um if I could describe this book I would say that it's a historical fiction book and it's also one of my favorites from this year so I'm going to read you guys the synopsis that was on Goodreads escaping from an abusive marriage 17 year old Lakshmi makes her way alone to the vibrant 1950s pink city of Jaipur there she becomes the most highly requested henna artist and confidant to the wealthy woman of upper class. But trusted with the secrets of the wealthy, she can never reveal her own. Known for her original designs and sage advice, Lakshmi must tread carefully to avoid the jealous gossips of gossips who could ruin the reputation could ruin her own reputation and her livelihood. As she pursues her dream of an independent life, she is startled one day when she's confronted by her husband, who has trapped her down these many years later with a high-spirited young girl, a sister Lakshmi never knew that she had. Suddenly, the caution that she has carefully cultivated as protection is threatened. Still, she perseveres, applying her talents and lifting up those that surround her as she does. So, the main character in this book is kind of relatable, I would say, and I think a lot of women, especially Asian women, can relate to this. Lakshmi is kind of trying to make a name for herself as a Hannah artist after escaping an abusive marriage. And she's a very independent woman, um, which you probably didn't really see a lot of in the 1950s. Um, She's like trying to buy her own house and she's basically trying to like prove herself, I guess. But I think she also feels conflicted because she left her abusive marriage that her parents essentially didn't really like want her to leave despite the fact that her husband was abusive and her parents have actually passed away so i think in a way she let them down like she was expected to stay in this marriage even though this man was not treating her well and stuff like this does happen i think in real life and i think um especially like in the past like in the 1950s and before that like getting a divorce is kind of like frowned upon not just in india but i think in a lot of parts of the world where it's like you're expected to like fulfill your family's wishes of getting married and being in this relationship despite like the circumstances despite the fact that you're not being treated well like you're still expected to kind of like put up with that so you definitely can tell how like she feels bad for leaving her marriage because she's like disappointed her parents or whatever um Lakshmi is a middle class woman and she goes around to the wealthier people of Jaipur and basically does henna work for higher class women. And for those of you that don't know, henna is like temporary tattoo. It's not really tattoos, but like it's similar to like getting tattoos done, except it's like basically like kind of like mandala arts that you would use like a paste and you draw it on the skin of women um it's very common in india and other parts of the world to do this for like big celebrations like weddings and stuff like that i've had it done when my friend was getting married last year um i've had it done just for fun as well um so yeah that's what hannah is and she's like this like very well-known artist and i she even talks about like putting hannah on women who are pregnant because i think she mentions that the paste that she used, like the the plant that is used for Hannah, like to make the paste, um, is supposed to be good for fertility. So that was really interesting. So like I said, she's basically trying to make a name for herself and she needs the higher class women to kind of think of her and like view her as like this worthy person and like trust her. But she also listens to a lot of gossip and she has all these higher class women as her clients and she kind of just puts up with the gossip and has to pretend that she doesn't really hear it. When she meets her sister, who's a lot younger than her, she kind of struggles to juggle her own job while essentially raising her own little sister. And her little sister becomes um, the cause of some trouble that ends up affecting like her work and like, her reputation and stuff. Um, there's definitely some conservative ideas in this book and some aspects of um like misogyny in this book and I definitely think that Lakshmi herself would be a feminist um there's definitely like ideas of abuse of power by higher ups and like the whole hierarchy of like wealthy class middle class and lower class and I also like it because it's like set in the 1950s and um Lakshmi is like this independent woman trying to prove herself and like is trying to prove herself as like equal to men as well um so I thought that was like a very interesting take especially with the setting that it's in the setting of it being in Jaipur in India and in the 1950s and like this character is essentially set like she's created based off the change that was actually happening in real life where like women um are being more accepted as like working class as well so um I really liked that part of the book um I thought the plot was pretty good um there's definitely, like, a lot of different twists and turns in this one as well. There's very beautiful descriptions of Jaipur in India itself, and in terms of, like, the language and, like, the food and, like, the clothing, especially the clothing. So, um, a lot of the stuff I could obviously relate to being Indian myself. Um, so, I really like that part of the book. Um, the only downside I would say to this is that, Um, because of, like, the conservative ideas in this book, it can be kind of, like, I don't know, infuriating at times. Um, but, like, that was, like, the point, obviously. So, I gave this book 4 out of 5 stars. And this was also an audiobook that I listened to. So, it was interesting. I think it was read by an Indian person themselves. So... That was also really nice too because you could tell that they were really into it um there are audiobooks that i'm going to talk to you guys about later in this book review where i just felt like the narration just was not it but we'll get into that later the next book is called love boat taipei by abigail hing wen so this this was also an audiobook and this is about a taiwanese american girl who is struggling to please her parents and fulfill the expectations that they have on her? Basically, her mom wants her to become something, but Abigail, or not Abigail, um, what's her name again? Her name is Ever. So, basically, Ever's mom wants her to become something, but Ever has her own goals that her family isn't really supportive of. And she, like I said, is Taiwanese American. Um, but she doesn't really know too much about, like, her Taiwanese background and her roots and where she comes from. So, um, there's definitely, the plot kind of has to do with that as well. So I'm going to read to you guys, um, a little short description of what I found on Goodreads to kind of, like, sum up what the story is about. When 18-year-old Ever Wong's parents send her from Ohio to Taiwan to study Mandarin for the summer... She finds herself thrust among the very overachieving kids her parents have always wanted her to be, including Rick Wu, the yale bound prodigy profiled in the Chinese newpa- newspapers since they were nine, and her parents' yardstick for her never measuring up life. So, the program that she goes to is m- nick- n- like nicknamed by teenagers called Love Boat because while this program is supposed to be like an educational program in the city of Taipei. Um, This is like where kids go to like rebel against their parents because they don't really have like a lot of supervision. So like a lot of the kids that she ends up meeting at this program like sneak out and stuff and they go clubbing and stuff like that. So they do all of like the rebellious teenager stuff because they're on vacation in Taipei and don't have their parents around them to like really tell them what to do. Um so when she ends up in Taipei she ends up breaking like a lot of the strict rules that her parents make her follow and so she kind of takes this time to really just do whatever she wants um it's definitely relatable for people who grew up being compared to like the smart kids by their parents um and also people that have had parents who weren't really supportive of their own dreams um i will say that i felt like this would have been more enjoyable for me if i read this while i was still in high school um while in taiwan um ever ends up meeting a few friends and she kind of rebels against her parents like i said and she ends up meeting this one girl and she ends up being like not the greatest influence on ever and she does something to ever that i thought was pretty unforgivable but they end up making up in the end of the story anyway but I just like if it was me I would never forgive someone like that for what they did um I I definitely don't think this book was bad I just like I said I think it's more appealing to people that are still teenagers and it's definitely has like it definitely has like important issues that it talks about especially like you know meeting the expectations of your parents and not really like seeing eye to eye with them um but like the whole rebellious teenager thing is just something that I've kind of grown out of and it's not really something that I relate to anymore which is why I didn't find it as appealing so I definitely would recommend this book to someone a bit younger than me um overall like I thought it was well written I thought it made sense and like I said it touches on important things like um meeting like your parents expectations while following your own dreams I gave it three out of five stars I feel like I probably could have given it at least 3.5 or 4 but like I said I I read this book I think in the spring and I don't know I just felt like it could have been better in terms of like The fact that it was set in taiwan i feel like we didn't really see a lot of like chinese culture being talked about like there were certain aspects of it that were talked about but i think i was expecting more like cultural significance and like more discussion about like chinese culture where it just like there were points in the book where i felt like i forgot that it was actually set in taiwan Um, like I just it just didn't feel like it was set in Taiwan if that's what if that makes sense and I was expecting it to be about more her learning about being Taiwanese American and like Chinese culture which she definitely does but I think that the main focus was her like rebelling against her parents and like trying to figure out like how to get them to support her dreams and it focused less on like her learning about her roots if that makes sense but that was just like an expectation that i had i think when i was going into reading this book um so it's definitely not like the writer's fault it's just i had different expectations i think that's the best way to describe it so i'll leave it at that the next book is called queen of Erin and darkness by cassandra clare And so you guys might be familiar with this author because she's pretty popular. This is the last book to the Dark Artifices trilogy. Um, This is the author who created the Mortal Instruments series with City of Bones and it became like a movie and a TV show. Um, I read that book back when I was like 14 years old and I read that entire series throughout high school. And I also read the prequel trilogy which was The Infernal Devices so the dark artifices is kind of like what happens after the mortal instruments um but the infernal devices is like before mortal instruments um i think the dark artifices trilogy in general was a lot better than the city of bones series or the mortal Instruments series mostly because i don't like series as much as i like trilogies like there gets to a point in series where i'm just like okay i've had enough and i think trilogies just i like them more because they're shorter um the issue that i had with this book in particular queen of air and darkness is that it's the last book in the trilogy and it's been quite some time since i read the first and second book um so a lot of this stuff i had just forgotten about what happened in the end of the second book so i had to kind of like refresh my memory and like as i was reading through like the third book i was kind of like oh yeah this happened but like i just forgotten about it because it has been some time since i read the second book so that was kind of like my main problem with this. But like otherwise, like I think I like the third book more than I like the second book. I like the first book the best and I think the third book comes was better than the second. Um Cassie Claire's books are always very like it's a lot. It's like equivalent to going into the Harry Potter world and there's a lot of like language that you need to understand. it's so, like needing to know like what a shadow hunter is and stuff like that or understanding like what the clave is or what runes are and stuff um so like those are like the things that you need to like remember i would say um her books are also very chunky and do take some time to read Um, these books are definitely very action filled as these are centered on like demon hunters essentially um and so sometimes it can be overwhelming just because there's so much to it and there's just so many pages um they're definitely not like short stories at all and they're very complex what I liked about this book is that it ties all of the issues together, and obviously, it being the last book, that makes sense. All of the kind of questions that I think I had in the first and second book obviously get answered in the last one. Um, Cassie Clare always puts some type of romantic relationships that are very complicated. Um, they're often like forbidden relationships, especially in the Shadowhunter world, and. I am not the biggest fan of, like, the relationships that Cassie Clare creates in the Shadowhunter series. But I thought that the way that she kind of ended them and, like, closed off in this book made a lot of sense. Um, So it was just nice to get, like, closure and to see who, like, everyone ends up with. There's a lot of politics in general when it comes to Shadowhunter business, and you can see that even from the previous series, um, mortal instruments and infernal devices in terms of like Shadowhunter hunter politics and stuff um this i would say this this trilogy is probably the most political out of all of them but like they're all super political in certain ways um what else do i have to say about this i knew that um a lot of people who read the shadow hunter books like i knew a lot of people that were into this back in high school i had a lot of friends that read the series um like the the first series which was the mortal instruments and i knew a lot of people who didn't like clary who's the main character of the mortal Instruments series um and i was never really sure what i how i felt about clary like i didn't dislike her but i didn't love her either and i think the way that i see her now like i i start i'm starting to understand clary a bit more um i mean like i said i was 14 when i started reading these books and i'm now 23 so i think Clary is one of the books that I actually probably feel the most empathetic towards. Um, I think she has the most pressure on her, I would say, out of all the characters. Um, in terms of this trilogy, I would it revolves around Emma and Julian, who are parabatai. Um, if you know what that means, you know what it means. If you don't, search it up. Um, so Emma is essentially parentless as they both died, and she's been living with Julian's family. Julian's family also has their issues of their own and they don't really have proper parents and Julian's whole story is that he has pretty much had to raise his own siblings while he was still growing up. Um, So you can see throughout the entire trilogy how that's kind of affected him. When I first started the trilogy, I liked Emma and I disliked Julian, but now I think it's flipped around. The reason is I think you you can really feel Julian's pain as you read through like his parts of the book and you start to feel bad for him just because it like hit like the Blackthorn family which is like his family is a very big family and there's multiple different issues um that he kind of has to deal with with like each one of his siblings whereas Emma kind of just is like Emma is just like a reckless rebellious teenager and she kind of has this savior mentality which kind of is frustrating at times um I also think she's one of those characters that just, like, doesn't... She kind of reminds me of um, Jess from The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley, where it's, like, she knows that she shouldn't do something, but she goes ahead and does it anyway. And that kind of, like, rebellious... Except she's... I think she's a teenager in this. She might be, like, 19 or 20. But it's, like, she has this rebellious kind of attitude, and she has this whole, like, I don't need anyone's help attitude where i feel like julian and clary don't really have that so i found them more relatable than emma really was um and she actually emma reminds me a lot of jace who's the other character in the mortal instrument series and jace is also one of those kind of characters that kind of just doesn't really think about what he's doing before he actually ends up doing them. And in, even in the book, like even in like the trilogy for um the Dark Artifices, Emma talks about like how much she looks up to Jace. So it makes sense why I feel that way about both of them. Um but overall, Cassie Claire um is very intentional with the way that she creates characters. Like if you find a character annoying, that's kind of the point, I think. And the book overall, I would say, ended on a pretty good note. Um, there's always, like, fight scenes and stuff in this, and Cassie Clare is very descriptive and very intentional, especially because there's been, like, movies and TV shows about the Mortal Instruments. It's kind of easier to picture what the rest of the books would be like, because you kind of know already what everything looks like. So I already have, like, you get some overlap with some of the characters from the previous series. Like, you get, you get to see Jason Clary in this one. You get to see Tessa and Jem, who are from the Infernal Devices in this one so I already know how those characters look, so I think that was kind of helpful, um, yeah, I don't know if there was anything inherently bad about the plot, I don't think, there's definitely, like, it's one of those things that you need to, like, go back and, like, read after a while, but, like, I'm not really one to reread books anyway, um, but I gave it four out of five stars, um, Cassie Clare always has more to add for the Shadowhunter series, and I know she has more books out that have been out for a while, and to be honest, I don't know if I'm ever going to read them. I probably will, just not right away. Um, Like I said, I was like 14, 15 years old when I started reading about Shadowhunters, and I'm 23 now, and the appeal definitely has changed a little bit, but we'll see. It was a good book if you grew up reading... Cassie Clare's stuff, I definitely would still suggest that if you, if you, like, never got to finish one of the series, I would still recommend that you finish them just so that you get closure. Um, but yeah, other than that, Cassie Clare is a pretty solid author, I would say, and like I said, it was four out of five stars for me. This next book isn't really a story. It is kind of like a self-help book called Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. This is a book that I've been wanting to read for a while. And you guys have heard me talk about Jay Shetty multiple times now. And he has a very highly read podcast called On Purpose, which I listen to a lot. Um, so in this book, he kind of just shares how his experience as a monk has taught him a lot of different important life lessons. And basically, it's just him sharing, like, what he's learned. Um, some of the things that he talks about is, like, how to overcome negativity, comparison, finding your purpose, all those types of self help type things um i would recommend this book to anyone who's just like going through a weird period of your life anyone who's feeling unmotivated confused lost i would check out this book and i would also check out his podcast um there's nothing really much else to say about this i gave it four to five stars um i listened to the audiobook version and it's actually like narrated by him so it's kind of nice it just feels like i'm listening to an extension of his podcast which was nice so yeah that was that The next book is called We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal, and I'll be honest, this is not one of my favorite books from this year, mostly because I found it a bit confusing and hard to follow. I'll read out the synopsis because that's usually what I read first to see if it sounds like something I'd be interested in reading, Um, so I'll read the synopsis for you guys. Zafira is the hunter, disguising herself as a man when she braves the cursed forest of Ars to feed her people. Nasir is the prince of death, assassinating those foolish enough to defy his autocratic father, the sultan. If Zafira was exposed as a girl, all of her achievements would be rejected. If Nasir displayed his compassion, his father would punish him in the most brutal of ways. Both Zephira and Nasir are legends in this kingdom of Arawiya, but neither wants to be. War is brewing and the Ars sweeps closer with each passing day, engulfing the land in shadow. When Zephira embarks on a new quest to uncover a lost artifact that can restore magic to her suffering world and stop the Ars, Nasir is sent by the Sultan on a similar mission, retrieve the artifact and kill the hunter. But an ancient evil stirs as the journey unfolds, and the prize they seek may pose a greater threat than either can imagine. So when I read this, I thought it was a very interesting plot and it's definitely the type of book that I would gravitate towards, but I just found all of the characters so dull and uninteresting, like even the main characters, like there was no like, there was no essence to them whatsoever the plot is also super confusing and hard to keep up with and i just couldn't see where like where things were going you know like they talk about like this thing called the r's which is kind of like i want to say it's like a forbidden forest thing and it just doesn't make sense like the entire book basically takes place in this forest and like it just doesn't make sense like the things that happen in this forest just doesn't make sense whatsoever um This book also is told in two alternative perspectives between Zafira and Nasir and there is romance between them and it's an enemies-to-lovers trope which I'm not the biggest fan of and honestly they seemed more like siblings to me than they did like lovers which I feel like is typical of like an enemies-to-lovers trope they always seem more like brother and sister bickering. Um, there was a bunch of really random characters that also show up out of nowhere, about halfway through the book, and I could not figure out, like, what their purpose in the story was. They were really, uh, like, just, they just showed up in, like, the weirdest way, and, like, in the weirdest time, and it honestly would not made any difference whether or not those characters were there or not. Like, they were so irrelevant. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Maybe, like, I think that this book had potential, and maybe just I was- not feeling it um but yeah i just didn't like this book all that much i gave it two and a half stars out of five um i wouldn't say i recommend it but like if if it sounds interesting based on what i've told you definitely go for it Okay, the next book is called A Magic Steeped in Poison by Judy I. Lin. This is also one of my favorite books that I read this year. Um, This book is set in China and follows a girl named Ning, who lives with her father and her sister who is very ill and is dying from this type of poison which has already claimed the life of their mother. This This whole story revolves around the use of tea masters, who brew these magical teas that give them the power to help the person that they're brewing the tea for. Like for example, you can brew a tea to make someone fearless or something, but there's also like this interesting connection that forms between the tea master and the person drinking the tea, and it's kind of like they go into another world as the person is consuming the tea. So Ning basically gets an invitation to this tea brewing competition that's happening in the Imperial City at the palace, Winning the competition means that you will get the honor of being the tea master for the emperor. And so Ning believes that if she is able to win this competition, she can ask the emperor to help her buy the ingredients and provide her with whatever resources that she needs to brew like the antidote for the poison that's making her sister so sick. But of course, while she's there, the palace, there's all this palace politics and court politics and drama, and it's, like, people trying to overthrow, like, the royals and stuff like that, um, so it's not just about winning the competition, she finds herself, like, in danger as she's staying at the palace while she's competing, um, this is definitely, like, a very fantasy-ish magic fairy tale kind of book, um, which is something I tend to gravitate towards a lot. I'm used to reading about fairies and, like, witches and shadow hunters who have magic, so I feel like the whole use of tea, to create magic is very different from what I'm used to. Um, and it still keeps it like mundane because there's no like immortality or anything involved, and like it definitely focuses on like herbal medicine, which I think is interesting, but then they've added magic to that as well, which I thought was cool. Um, I have the next book on hold. I actually don't know what it's called, but it's on my holds list, and I'm hoping to read that sometime next year. Um, I gave this one four and a half stars out of five. Okay, so the tenth book now that we're on to is called A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. This was an audiobook that I listened to and this book is probably at a tie with the six crimson crames for best book I read this year because it was so good. I could not stop listening to this book and it it honestly didn't even feel like a book. I felt like I was watching a movie because It was very easy to visualize in my head, and very well narrated. Um, It's a murder mystery, and I think I prefer Holly Jackson's style of writing murder mysteries over Lucy Foley's. So basically there is this girl in high school named Pip, and she decides to uncover a murder that happened years ago in her town as part of a school project. The girl that was murdered is called Andy Bell, and she actually went to Pip's school a few years ago. And the case was closed as the police basically deemed that Andy was killed by her boyfriend, Sal, who ended up committing suicide shortly after Andy was found dead. Pip essentially reopens the case because she thinks that there's more to the story and doesn't actually know if she believes that Sal was responsible. So she ends up partnering with Sal's brother, Ravi, to crack the case. And she goes around trying to question people both Andy and Sal knew in order to figure out what actually happened um while she does that she begins to realize that andy wasn't a very nice person and a and she had like a lot of secrets and many people just secretly didn't like her like even her own friends um so this book is full of surprises and plot twists and it keeps you on your heels and every new thing pip discovers in the case is just like a surprise basically Um, I whizzed through this book in just a few days, like, it's very Nancy Drew-esque, but for an older audience, so if you grew up reading Nancy Drew and you loved Nancy Drew, I would definitely recommend you checking out A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Um, I gave this one five stars. Okay, so I'm gonna go over the last book for part one of the book review, um, so this is the 11th book that I read, and it was called A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. This book is my very first Sarah J. Mass book, and I know she's a very popular author, and I enjoyed it. It's kind of a, uh, complicated for me to explain exactly what happens and what it's about, so I'll read out the synopsis. So, Farah's survival rests upon her ability to hunt and kill. The forest where she lives is a cold, bleak place in the long winter months. So when she spots a deer in the forest being pursued by a wolf, she cannot resist fighting it for the flesh. But to do so, she must kill the predator, and killing something so precious comes at a price. Dragged to a magical kingdom for the murder of a fairy, Farah discovers that her captor, his face obscured by a jeweled mask, is hiding far more than his piercing green eyes would suggest. Farah's presence at the court is closely guarded and she begins to learn why her feelings for him turn from hostility into passion and the fairy lands become an even more dangerous place Pharaoh must fight to break an ancient curse or she will lose him forever so this book at times can be kind of overwhelming because the plot is very detailed and kind of all over the place um, but everything still is somehow very easily connected and it keeps you engaged. I don't think there was ever a point where I felt like the book was dragging. Um, the characters for the most part are pretty interesting. Farrah somehow I found a bit irritating. Um, she definitely has a bit of an ego. Um, and she just seems like this really bitter person, um, that has a big ego. So that was kind of my issue with her, but otherwise like, I didn't really have a problem with her. The romance in this book is also an enemies to lovers trope and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Um I feel like it makes sense but at, all, at the same time I'm like the romance doesn't really come off as romance like it just feels like they're both very possessive of each other. Like he is keeping capt- keeping her captive and like won't let her out of like the castle or whatever and is like not honest with her about what's actually going on and he's like super overprotective which i don't like um and like i feel like that in a way is like oh he's protecting me like how romantic i don't find that like romantic um okay i understand why he's like that like as you read the book you'll understand why he's so protective of her but at the same time it's like protective in an annoying way especially because like she's a hunter anyway um so it was still a good book nonetheless and I'm not sure if I'm gonna read the next one. This one is a book that's quite popular on TikTok. I've like I've I've heard people talk about it on TikTok, and I know a couple of other people that have read this book. Um, I still gave it four out of five stars just because I thought it was still pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, those are all the books that I have for you in this first half of the book review. So I went through eleven books here, and I'm probably gonna go through another eleven. I read twenty two books so far, and right now it's like the middle of December. I am currently reading my 23rd book, but I'm not sure if that'll be included in the second part depending on whether or not I finish it. Um, If I don't finish it, then you'll hear about it in 2023. So that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for part two. Thank you.